0: Visit ADHDessentials.com for more details. What's up, team? The ADHD Essentials Facebook community continues to grow. It's a great place to stay in touch with me and get all kinds of support and updates around ADHD and how it affects your family. Go to facebook.com slash groups slash ADHD Essentials community to sign up today. And don't forget that five-star rating and review you've been meaning to give me on iTunes. Now's a great time to close that loop. Also, if you haven't seen it already, Jessica McCabe's treatment of my Wall of Awful model on her YouTube channel, How to ADHD, is phenomenal. The link will be in the show notes. Please check it out. I'm sure you'll love it. And finally, a big thank you to Jeffrey Gordon of Ideal Video Strategies for doing the heavy lifting on this episode. You can learn more about his work at IdealVideoStrategies.com. This is episode 67. Today, we're talking to my friend Tim. The other day, he and I were talking about what he does for work, and it turns out that part of his job is to help kids understand the importance of protecting their identity when they're online. I thought that might be useful information for all of you to have, so I invited him on the pod. In case you're thinking I've wandered too far off topic here, well, for one thing, this is parenting, even if it's not strictly ADHD, and for another, He's an ADHD dad, so we're still in the wheelhouse. In today's episode, we talk about ways to keep our identity safe, what to do if it's not safe, and how to behave so we don't have to worry about our identity being stolen any more than we worry about crossing the street. We also discuss managing the contents of our phones, teaching our kids about social media, and how to create a password you'll remember. All right, let's get rolling.
1: I've spent many years working in the financial industry, um, working in banks and helping to teach and train people of all generations from the young to the old on what it means about financial security, financial safety and just financial topics in general. In addition to that, um, I've you know encountered my challenges and some of the strategies that I've come up with because I'm somebody who has ADHD as well as I'm a father of somebody with ADHD. It really ties into what I do and how I teach and train the people who are coming in and making sure that we're going to have a generation who knows how to be safe and secure in their finances and better off than hopefully the generations were before, especially with some of the changes that we're seeing around technology. This is a topic
0: that I'm excited about because folks with ADHD so often struggle with money and having enough of it or, or just something as simple as paying the bills on time Uh, And and creating a budget and those kinds of things. So sort of getting ahead of the curve a little bit with the next generation and providing my listeners with some, maybe some skills and ideas and strategies they don't have yet, but also with some ideas for how to teach their kids those skills, ideas, and strategies.
1: So where should we start? Well, why don't we start a little bit with just why it's so important to think about financial security and why it's so important to think about that starting young we're finding nowadays that more and more people are involved in technology from a much younger age and what they're doing is they're building their habits for what they're going to have as they get older you know starting right from when people are handing them that iPad or that iPhone at 2 years old nowadays and so i found that there's a lot of breaking of bad habits that we need to do with people and really informing them about the dangers of what they're doing and what they could be sharing and how that could impact them, not just in the immediate, but in the long run. So one of the things that we've learned is once it's on the internet, it's always on the internet. And that means that it can have a lot of impact on, you know, future jobs that you may get, you know, something that you sh- thought that was okay to share when you were 13 years old. We, we were all 13 at one point. Right. I, I am glad that the days of the internet weren't there when I was 13 because, there were certainly things that I did that I'm glad that the world doesn't see at this point. Yeah. But now that it is that way, it's so important for us to teach them, you know, how, how they should share things online. You know, how do you create a strong password? You know, how do you, you know, secure your devices, keep up to date and make sure that you're doing all of the things that you need to do to keep yourself private on the things that you want to keep private and, How to keep yourself public on the things that you're okay with sharing worldwide. Right. And
0: even just in terms of passwords, you were telling me prior to recording about an incredible password strategy that you use because not only does it give you a complicated password that has all of the like letters and numbers and unique symbols stuff that you need, but you also have a strategy for remembering that password.
1: That's correct. Uh, I, I found as somebody who you know, has struggled with ADHD throughout my life and, you know, again, trying to teach others that trying to have some kind of a device as a way to be able to remember it, it just becomes so important as a way to have that strong password and not have to carry it with you. So that way you're not compromising yourself if you ever lost your wallet mm-hmm. or your phone because now somebody has all those passwords that you had. So the device that I use is, it always seems funny to people because I sing to myself all day long. Now I do that just because it's entertaining to me and it makes me happy, but it also helps me to remember my passwords. So I actually make all of my passwords from songs out there. And the one that I was talking to you about and the one that I shared was a password that I don't use anymore because I shared as an example now, but it was a great password from Thriller by Michael Jackson. And really, it's taking a phrase from the song. And the phrase was, and no one's going to save you from the beast about to strike. Yep. Fairly, we can sing it together. The, the tune goes off in your head when you do it. But it also makes itself into a very strong password. Because you can take those and use the first letters as you go through as the letters for your password. We've got numbers in there. So we've got the word ones, which turns into one apostrophe S. Now we've got a number, a special character, uh, another letter, whether it's uppercase or lowercase, and just all the way through. We don't have to remember what the password is itself. As long as you remember that phrase from the song. So I'll be in work and have to put in my password and you'll see me just singing to myself at my desk. And it, and it helps me to remember it. That's awesome. That, uh,
0: I struggle to remember passwords. And, and so often, the, I'll be logging into something and it'll say, like this happens with uh, one of my licensure passwords that I have to go into. I'll go into the Massachusetts State Licensure for Education and I'm like, oh, I got to see something for whatever reason. And they'll randomly say, hey, it's been six months. You have to change your password. And I'm like, oh. And then I also can't use any of like my previous six passwords or something. I just, I don't have seven passwords that I go through. So having this strategy as not just a way to, to remember passwords, but even to come up with a password is great.
1: And it is the nice thing because it's ever refreshing. What I mean by that is we have new songs that are being put out all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I wouldn't recommend necessarily taking the signature line from the number one hit on top Mm forties. That may be a popular one for somebody to go and get, we always have songs that are being created or older songs. There's such a library out there that you can go to, to still create those strong passwords as they become more and more complex, but still be able to remember them. And let's be frank and honest, have a little bit of fun doing it and, <laughs> and just being able to sing that phrase to yourself in the middle of maybe a hard day. And it just brightens you up just a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, that that's awesome. And, and, Sort of flipping back to what you mentioned earlier about how once it's on the internet, it's there forever. So disconnecting from passwords for a minute. That's huge. And, and our kids aren't thinking that way. Our kids don't have that mindset of like, oh, I should be careful about what goes on the internet and what I'm doing on the internet because I might be 23 years old and looking for a job and something I did when I was 16 bites me even though I was 16 and it was seven years ago and it doesn't seem important anymore. But there's a picture of me as a 16 year old with a beer or something. And now I can't get this job as a 23 year old. So that's, that's huge. And I think about that even with regard to this podcast, right? Like I don't allow parents to come onto this podcast and use their real name. Everybody uses an alternative name because I recognize there's a stigma around ADHD and I don't want someone to be looking for a job five years from now, that potential employee Googles their name and up they come connected to something around ADHD. Even if they're not the ADHD parent, even if they're just somebody who is here to talk about financial planning and it's got nothing to do with ADHD. I think we have to be much more careful about our identities and what's what's poking around in the world of the internet. So thank you for bringing that up.
1: Yeah, and you were very, very right about that. Um, One of the things that I found, you know, in my life as a a financial expert and um, working in the financial industry is that the information that you share, especially when you're sharing it publicly, Mm -hmm. is also the information that you need to break a password. And let me explain that just a little bit. When we go in and we create a password on a financial site, They're going to have us create that nice, strong password, which we talked about a little bit ago. We sing that song to ourselves and we create this nice, strong password. But then they also have us do some challenge questions in case we forget that password. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Well, think of what those challenge questions are. What street did you grow up on? What's your mother's maiden name? Something as simple as what year were you born? We share all of that online. And maybe it's in our private Facebook account. Maybe it's pictures that we share on Instagram, but maybe we've decided to make our accounts public because let's be honest, our youth nowadays like to chase followers and try to have more people like what they're doing. Right. Well, now we're sharing that private information out to the world at large. And yes, maybe Brendan, I want you to know what year I was born. But do I necessarily want that person who's a hacker in Russia or in India or somewhere else outside of my immediate circle knowing when I was born? Do I want them to know what my dog's name when I was growing up was? No, because that's all that information that we then use to be able to secure our passwords.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. I would not have thought of that.
1: I so, yeah, yeah, we, we do all of that work to create that strong password and they require us to create that strong password, but then we give away all the information that they need in order to just reset it. Well, that wasn't very effective for us. So it really gets back to, we need to think about what it is that we share online and who we want to share that with. Mm-hmm. If it's a picture of me at my house, maybe I want to share that with my immediate friends. If it's a message that I have about financial security, maybe I want to share that with the world at large, but we need to think about that ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you a little story that about something that happened. And I live in this world and it can, it's easy to happen to me as well. So my daughter decided to go and create an Instagram account. All of her friends had Instagram accounts and it's the new hip thing to be able to do. Well, we'd had the conversations about security, about how, what you share online, but that doesn't necessarily make any difference to a preteen. So she went and created the Instagram account. Well, when I found out that she had actually created that account, I wanted to be able to show her in a more tangible way what it was that she was sharing with the world mm-hmm. because she didn't make it private. She didn't make it just for her friends. It was a public account. Well, I was able to go in and show her pictures of a babysitting certificate that she got from the Red Cross that she decided to post up because it was important to her. I was able to show videos of her out walking our dogs in the neighborhood where she passed by and photographed street signs. I was able to show her all sorts of different pieces of information that tied back to where we lived. Mm -hmm. And. As a father, that scared me for a couple of reasons. One, somebody now could potentially know where my daughter lives, which I don't want that happening. The other side of it is it's going back to that financial security is she's posted all this information online. She's giving out the dog's names. She's giving out the street names that we live on. She's got her name up on the babysitting certificate, which had, if I remember correctly, the city and state that we lived in. So it had all of this private finance or private information that could be used to break into her financial information or into her social media or anything like that later on, which leads into the ability that somebody can either create fraud or later on, you know, something much more horrible. And that's identity theft because they knew enough about you because you shared it publicly that they could now become you. And that's just a scary thing.
0: Yeah. And they're doing that with kids already, right? We already have to worry about our kids' identities, even at four years old, potentially.
1: Definitely something that I never would have thought of when I was young is that people do steal the identities of our youth nowadays. And they do it because if they steal yours or my identities, we're going to find out pretty quick. Mm-hmm we we regularly check our financial accounts, we look at our credit reports, all of that stuff. But who goes online and looks at their 4-year-old's credit report? Who would even think <laughs> that you would need to do something like that? Right. But when you steal somebody's identity, they now have the run of that identity until they turn 18. Somebody could run with that for 14 years and rack up horrible debt and bad credit, everything that's just wrong about it, they could do to your account. They could be filing taxes for 14 years under your four-year-old's name. They go in at 18 years old. They try to get that first job like we were talking about. Somebody goes in there and a lot of places of employment do credit checks and background checks and everything else nowadays because they want to know who they're working with. And now you didn't get the job. You didn't get into the college that you wanted. Something else bad happens. Because somebody stole your identity 14 years ago and has been using it and just giving you a bad name ever since. Right. It's just a horrible thing. And I've helped people to have to clean up that kind of a mess before. And it takes thousands of hours to clean it up because you now have to go through and try to prove that it wasn't you. And it's hard to prove that it wasn't you at times.
0: And, if we need to have that kind of a mess cleaned up, are we going to our bank? Are we going to specialists? Are we going to our credit card companies? Who do we talk to?
1: So there's, there's a couple of places to be able to start with. The moment that you find out that you're a victim of identity theft, the very, very first place to ever go is the police department. Mm-hmm. They have units set up nowadays to be able to help you to file that police report and to be able to start to put a stop to what's going on. From there, generally, the next place to be able to go is actually the credit bureaus. Mm -hmm. You can call any one of the three, three big ones. There's a lot of littler ones, but the, the three big ones and file a fraud report with them that your identity has been stolen. They are required to distribute that information to the rest of the credit bureaus. So that way, everybody is aware of it. What that does is it'll help put a freeze on the credit accounts of anybody. So nobody's going in trying to open new credit but it also helps you in that process to be able to clean it up. Then, unfortunately, here's where the where the hard work comes in, is you have to go and pull those credit reports, find out all those places that your credit was used, where your name was used, and start talking to each and every one of them to try to clean it up. Wow. And it becomes very difficult. Now, there's services out there that you know, you could proactively ahead of time Sign up for, and they'll charge a monthly fee and they'll help to monitor that. And if you become a victim, they'll help with the cleanup. Mm -hmm. But who, again, who thinks of doing that for their four year old?
0: Right. I don't even think of doing that for me, right? Like in my head, and I'm sure that this is wrong, in my head, I have the diluted impression that if I were the victim of identity theft, like my credit card company will figure it out and tell me. But that seems unlikely. I mean, maybe they'll catch some charges or something. But what do I want to do to find out just where my credit lands? And if I need to worry about the potential of identity theft, how do I even figure that part out?
1: So let me, let me take that in two parts for you. Yeah. Uh, the first part is I want to you know, talk just very briefly about the difference in between fraud and identity theft. Okay. So the, the example that you gave is that if there was fraud on your credit card, mm-hmm. then the bank is going to help you to be able to, To work that out, most of them have very sophisticated algorithms that catch that. They understand that you normally do your shopping in whatever state, city, area that you're normally in. And when the credit card suddenly pops up somewhere else, they recognize that. They'll try to put a stop to it. They may reach out to you to find out what's going on, or they'll have systems in place to be able to stop it. Mm -hmm. So, fraud is more of a one time or maybe one or two time event. Identity theft is where somebody really kind of becomes you. And so they'll open up a credit card in your name that you're never even aware of because they have taken it and it's shipped to another address. You never even see it. You never even know that it's there. So there's nobody for the bank to contact that would know any better because maybe you have an account at one of the biggest banks in the country and they opened it at a local credit union. Mm -hmm. They don't know who each other are. So identity theft is more of a continuous ongoing thing that those are the ones that are much harder to clean up. Fraud is normally a matter of you contact the institution, they say, oops, sorry, here's a new card on your way. We're good. We we got it taken care of from our side. Now, when identity theft happens, it it can be difficult to even know that it did happen. And so my recommendation to everybody is always to Get your credit report at least once per year. Now, you can go to freecreditreport.com or annualcreditreport.com. I forget which one it is. And get a free credit report once per year from each of the major credit bureaus. Okay. And so, my recommendation normally is at least once a year, you want to pull a credit report from each of them. Now, if you want to be really safe and secure, Do one of them every four months because then every four months you've got a rolling, you're looking at a credit report to see if things are showing up on there that you don't expect. It's old accounts that you just Mm -hmm. forgot to close out, which hopefully you caught those the first time around, but you'll sometimes they will pop back up on a credit report. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's a new credit inquiry or a new credit was opened that wasn't you. Well, now if you can attack back on it very quickly, it helps to be able to clean it up. It hasn't been an ongoing thing and you're very, and you're able to very quickly get in there and correct the issue. It's when it's been going on for a long period of time that it becomes much more of an issue and much harder to clean up.
0: Right. Okay. That makes sense.
1: And should we also be running these reports for our kids as well, I guess? That would be the recommendation is to at least look into them to find out if you have any kind of credit that's showing up in your kid's name. Hopefully, when you go to look at it, you would get the answer back. Nothing found. Right. Well, perfect. That's exactly what I want for my below 18 year old (laughs) because they shouldn't have credit at this point. Yeah. But if you do find something, then it gives you the ability to. Start sooner rather than later to clean it up.
0: I guess my concern here is I don't want to send my audience into a panic, right? So, what is the frequency of identity theft? How concerned do we really need to be?
1: As long as you're taking the preventative measures, it's really not that big of a threat. And it really doesn't happen as often as you would fear that it could. Mm -hmm. Is it something that you have to be aware of? Absolutely as technology advances more and more and people, you know, have the greater ability to access your data. And we hear about some of those data breaches at, you know, you know, some of the ones that happened in the past at our large retailers, where they were able to get some of the credit card information and breach some of that. Now, that information by itself isn't going to do anything. It's when they are able to pair it with lots of different information from lots of different places. Mm-hmm that suddenly they have the potential to be able to get in and steal your identity. It does not happen that often, and I I don't want to worry anybody that you need to run out right now and that everybody's a victim of identity theft, because you're just not. But it is something to be aware of, and as with most things, by taking the preventative steps ahead of time, you're going to end up in a better place than trying to clean up the mess afterwards. Right. So this is sort of like teaching
0: our kids how to cross the street or how to be at an amusement park in a way that is safe so you don't have to worry about getting lost or, or getting into trouble. This is just another kind of preventative
1: strategy, but it's not something we need to panic about. That's right. I, I, I love your example in there. And it's, it is just teaching our people and our families and our friends you know, steps that they need to be aware of and things that they need to just check periodically, just like you want to go to the doctor once a year to check and make sure that you're healthy, even if you feel pretty good, right? You want to check your, your financial situation at least once a year to make sure that you feel pretty good and that there isn't that hidden malady behind it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the, one of the tips that I normally use with it is as an adult, we have to file our taxes at least once a year, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, at the same time you go and file your taxes is a great time to have a reminder to check your financial you know, health. And that is pulling that credit report. And maybe that's going in and looking at your bank accounts and just doing a look back because, well, somebody who works at a bank will tell you that you need to check your financial statements every month let's be honest we live busy lives i don't always get to it but it can be something that you want to go back and take a look at and make sure that nothing has been going on that's just slipped your notice and so i use taxes as a great way to do it because we're already in that mindset of money
2: mm-hmm.
1: that we're required to do and being able to add this on as a part of it just helps to you know bundle it all together and we're in that mindset for a little bit and then hopefully we can kind of move off on to our other things
0: Right. Awesome. Yeah. I'm with you. And, and the other side of that, if you're someone who tends to, you know, avoid taxes like the plague, because they bring up all this emotional baggage with them, right. Around how much am I worth? And am I doing the job right? And am I worthy of having money? And do I not have enough or do I have too much? And that can, there's a lot of emotional stuff that comes along with taxes and finances. So If you do all of it at once, you only have to navigate that uncomfortableness once. Admittedly, adding in the identity stuff is going to maybe add a little more emotional turmoil. But if you can handle it more than once, maybe taxes is when you remind yourself to set that reminder in your phone or on your calendar to pop up three months from now, four months from then, so that you then do it at a later date. But, But pairing it with taxes, I think, is a great idea. And speaking of phones and setting reminders in your phone. If you're enjoying this episode, set a reminder on your phone to give me a five-star rating and review, or do it now. Pause the episode. Go ahead. I'd love that. <laughs> and, uh, and also, speaking of your phone, what do we have to do with regard to smartphones and identity protection? Because there's plenty of kids 9, 10 years old who have smartphones. Is that
1: an area that we need to be concerned about? It is. Phones bring such convenience to us now because we're able to access everything on the go well accessing everything on the go means that you have access all your information on the go there's a good side to that and a bad side to that the good side is if i'm out with my family and we want to remember who was that actor in that episode of the tv show from back in the 70s that i was watching i can go look it up and i can find out what it is the bad side is we look at that convenience and we start to store and save a lot of information on that phone. So think of back in the day and the information that we would keep in our wallets or our purses. I know as a young man, I kept, you know, my driver's license, of course, credit cards, debit cards, my social security card. Heck, I carried around and I actually still carry it around to this day, my middle school lunch library pass. (laughs) It's one of those few things that I've always had in my wallet and it just makes me feel good. But again, you know, it's a little bit of information about me from the past, right? Mm -hmm. You could look it up and find out where I went to middle school. Right. But it's all that information that I, that I keep in my wallet. Well, I check that wallet continually. I make sure I always have it with me. It's got some of that information that I don't want to get out into the world and so it's something that i always think about and you know i try to be aware of what it is i'm keeping in my wallet and whether i actually have a need for that to be with me or not if i don't it's time to leave that at home because mm-hmm. if i lose my wallet it's just one more thing that i have to worry about well our phones are the same way when i first got my first smartphone it was such a miraculous device because i now had a traveling you know notepad with me i had a traveling you know photo log of everything that i was doing i had all of that information that was on my phone which was great i i had my account numbers for my bank accounts on there because who can remember those and i had my kids social security numbers in there because again i remember mine i don't remember theirs what if i happen to need it while i'm out mm-hmm. i kept all of that kind of personal information in there in addition to having facebook logged in And, you know, having all of the apps for my banking institutions on there. So somebody could, if I lost my phone, now get into all of that information that I didn't want them to have. And it's something to be aware of and to just think about when you're looking at your phone. Do you actually need all of that information that's in your phone with you?
0: Yeah, and with, our, and with regard to our kids, if they've got a smartphone, maybe they're not having a banking institution stuff. They might be go- not going to that level. But what apps do they have on there where they're buying stuff? Are they buying stuff from Amazon on their phones? And whose credit card is on there? That's
1: in there too, right? All of that stuff is in there. And as technology has advanced, we have made it easier and easier because with an Apple iPhone, you save all your passwords on the phone, right? Mm-hmm. I need my thumbprint to get in there, or I need my password to be able to have it pull up the, the passwords, but I have them all saved in my phone. Well, you know, once upon a time, you know, we needed to know what the 4, 8, 12-digit password was, another password that we get to remember, but you know, all of that stuff that we had to remember to be able to get into the phone. Well, we've made it easier and easier as time has gone on, haven't we? how many people out there now access their phones with their thumbprint or their fingerprint to be able to get into it.
0: Right. And I think I only have a four digit password to get into my phone.
1: And that's very common for people to have. And a lot of times it's not a random password. It's something that means something to them. Right. So maybe it was the month and date of your birth. Well, anybody who knows you now may be able to go in and put in those numbers and be able to access your phone especially you cuz it's the same month and date. Yes it is. <laughs> You're not getting into my phone, Brendan, I'm sorry. <laughs> but because, you know, convenience makes it so much nicer, I have my, you know, I'll be honest, I have my thumbprint able to access my phone mm-hmm. because that way I can just hit it quick on the go and get into it. Well, we want to think back for a second, is that saving of a second really worth the security of what you may have in your phone? depending on what you keep in there. In addition, with a lot of the phones nowadays, it's not even that it's facial recognition, right? Mm -hmm. Well, you talked a little bit ago about when we were talking about sharing information online and maybe you were that 16 year old with a beer in your hand that, you a job now found when you were 23. (laughs) Yep. And not something that we necessarily want out there. What if you were that 16 year old who drank a little bit too much and passed out on the couch? And somebody went and grabbed your phone and just held it up to your face. Right. Yeah. And unlocked your phone. And now they're in there. Or grabbed your thumb. Exactly. We, we know kids are not always the nicest people to each other.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes some of the fun is to get onto somebody's account and send out all sorts of crazy things that you would never send yourself. But it's funny because you're doing it to your friend. Right. Well, now we've made it easier and easier for them for convenience sake to get into there.
0: Yeah, and that's even that part of, because that's still identity theft in a way, right? Even like just my kids, right? If Gavin steals Nathan's phone, they don't have phones yet, but at some point they will. If Gavin steals Nathan's phone and starts shooting off text messages to to their friends as Nathan being a jerk, now it looks like Nathan is a jerk. And it takes a lot of work to undo the hurt feelings and the anger that comes with Why did you say that about me? Oh, I I didn't say that. Gavin grabbed my phone and pretended to be me. So even just socially, that identity theft can cause some drama
1: for our kids if they're not being careful. That's, you know, absolutely spot on. And it's just as it's hard to clean up identity theft financially, it's hard to clean up identity theft, you know, just in a group of friends. Again, I, I go back and think that, you know, I grew up in a day and age where I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff, mm-hmm. but rumors still started, you know, people would say that you said things that you didn't, Right. but now we've got a device that you didn't say this, but let me show you the, the screenshot I took of what you sent over. I still have it in my text messages, whatever else. And it's, it can just cause a lot of hurt feelings and can take a lot to be able to clean up and try to make better. Yeah. And,
0: and they can go into your social media accounts. And this stuff happens with teenage kids all the time. Middle school, high school is usually when it starts, but but sometimes if you've got a particularly devious kid, they're not going to they're not going to text messaging, they're going to your Instagram and they change the password on your Instagram and now they can get into your Instagram and you can't and they're doing stuff. Social side of it matters too.
1: It is amazing what technology has enabled for our our kids to get into and the trouble that they can get into with it. Right. And cause with it even. Mhm. For, for my standpoint, and w- really what I want to stress back to people is just, for one, be aware of what's on your phone, <laughs> be aware of what it is that you're saving, and whether the convenience of having it always with you is worth the possible cost of always having it with you, <laughs> of accidentally you know, setting down that phone somewhere that you know, isn't locked and that somebody could pick it up. Mm-hmm. The other side of that is just make sure that you secure your phone. I still know a lot of people out there who don't password protect their phone because even the 1 second to be able to have it recognize my fingerprint is too long for them to get into their phone and check their Facebook account. Right? Well, that's just crazy. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's think back about everything is on the phone nowadays and how much access that they have to be you by getting into that phone. So take those extra steps, make sure that we secure the phone, make the password something. Again, we could do a complex password on some phones like we talked about earlier, or just make it a four digit password even that is something that people aren't going to easily guess about you. It's not your birth date. It's not your birth year. It's not your anniversary date. It's not something simple like that make it that random four digit number and try to find a way to remember that number because the randomness will help to make sure that it's secure for you and make sure that nobody is getting in and doing things that they really shouldn't be doing with your stuff.
0: Yeah. That, I mean, that's huge. And also what about um, like sort of keeping the tech of the phone up to date, like downloading updates and all that kind of stuff. Is that also
1: sound strategy here? So not only on the phones themselves, but antivirus software, all of the, the operating systems, the apps themselves, everything in it, you were, you were spot on. You want to keep your technology up to date because as quickly as we find a way to prevent something from happening, somebody really smart that doesn't want to do good things is sitting out there and trying to find another way in to your information. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these companies are very good about applying the patches and keeping things up to date. And as flaws are uncovered, they fix them, they patch them, they do something. So that way it's no longer an issue for you.
0: Okay. And we want to encourage our kids to be doing the same thing. If they've got a smartphone, if they've got their own laptop or something, we want to make sure they're following through on these updates.
1: They absolutely need to be is when, ios comes out with a new update for your iphone go ahead and update that make sure because if you look into the details they do almost always talk about we found a security flaw here's a security patch to fix it right we found this here's something to fix it and this is
0: where the adhd side of life can become a little bit of a hindrance and i'm i'll fully own up to the fact that this is a phenomenon that i get hit by where the update will come And if I'm on my computer, I'm doing something. So I get this pop-up alert that's like, hey, you have to update Microsoft Word or you have to update your iOS on your Apple phone or whatever. And I'm like, I'll do that later. Like, I got to do this thing right now. I have a, a podcast to record. I've got a workshop to prep. I have an email to send. I don't have the time for all of my technology to be on pause for five minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour. Because I gotta do this thing, and then I forget about it. I, I'm like, remind me this evening or remind me later, and then I forget all about it. So we have to make sure that we're not falling victim to that pattern
1: that that is uh that's very true. I, I fall into the same thing, I get the updates, you know at work all the time, or I'll be at home doing something, and what's in front of me is always the most important thing, right? and it, And it's what I want to work on right then and there. And I know. You know I, I will own up to it as well, you know, having ADHD myself is that I know if I allow that update to go through right then and there and I allow my focus to shift from what the priority really is that I'm working on in about six hours when I suddenly realize that I've let something slip because I decided to take that five minutes and do the upgrade, that it becomes a problem. yeah, and now now it has compounded you know to a much bigger thing. and so. You know, I do the same thing and I will set reminders for later in the day. And I guess my biggest point is make sure that you don't, oftentimes there will be a remind me later or there'll be an ignore. Mm-hmm. Don't ever click the ignore. Right. Because the moment you ignore it, it may not ever come back up and remind you again. Yeah. At least if I say, you know what, my day should be done at five o'clock. Set the reminder for four 55. Yep. Now I can go back in, that reminder goes off at 4.55, and all right, I was already wrapping up for the day anyways, I'm okay to be able to take that technology update. Yeah, and I know for me,
0: and I'm not going to pretend that I do this reliably, but when I think to write that down in a sticky note and put the sticky note on the edge of my screen or on the wall or something, that extra backup reminder is also useful because sometimes I say, you know, remind me at 4.55 p.m., but... 320 rolls around, and I'm like, oh, wait, you know what? I have, like, I have a meeting I have to go to. This could totally update while I'm at the meeting. Let me set it to go while I'm away. So that's another, that's another strategy, along with that reminders. The more reminders that we ADHD folks can set for ourselves, the better off we are. <laughs> um, so redundant systems are your friend. Absolutely. I resemble that remark. <laughs> so what other... What other things do we want to make sure we're paying attention to and guiding our children towards when it comes to this sort of internet identity safety kind of stuff?
1: And so I guess the best thing that I could, I could recommend is for one, find an engaging way to be able to talk to them about it. Because if I just go on and you know, tell my kids that getting online and sharing your information is a bad thing, doesn't necessarily sink in. And it's not impactful or meaningful to them. If instead I can come up with a story or some kind of way to bring it to life for them, it becomes much more meaningful in what they're doing. And it helps it to sink in just a little bit better. And that helps us set them up for that future success as we go through it. And so they're not suddenly hitting 18 and they've never been talked to about how to keep their things secure before.
0: And ideally we're talking to them about this stuff before they have access to this stuff, right? If we've got a seven or an eight year old and we're still having these kinds of conversations, then when they get to be 10, 12, 14, and they're having, now they have a smartphone, it's already information in their head. It's not something suddenly new and adding another wrinkle to the smartphone.
1: That's exactly it. The earlier you can start to be able to talk about this and to be able to talk about it in a way that's meaningful for them at that age, the better off that you're going to be. In addition, it's the repetition. Knowing that just because I told my five-year-old that you know <laughs> financial security is important and don't share your things online, let's be honest, they're not going to remember that in two months. They won't even know what it meant when you tell them. <laughs> exactly, and so it's making sure that we continue to update the story, update the way that we 're telling them, and continue to talk to them about it it's you know with anything else that we're trying to teach them, we want to start early by setting that foundation of knowledge for them and then building upon it and you know making those stories better and more impactful and more meaningful. I know you know I think back to when when I was in you know, high school and middle school. And they talked about the dangers of drunk driving and things like that. And when you're young, they say, it's a bad thing. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. As you get older, you, you learn more information. And then maybe they start to show you pictures of what happened in accidents, or you have that really horrible video that I think a lot of us ended up watching at some point through high school.
0: Yeah. Or they just parked the total car out in front of the high school right before prom.
1: <laughs> and, and it just, it built upon itself. And so You've set that foundation of that knowledge early on and then year over year, you've built on it a little bit more and a little bit more. So that way, once it's actually finally ready to be meaningful for them, Mm -hmm. they have that base of knowledge and they understand what you were talking about and why you got them to where you got them. And with their financial and their online security, it is just so important to start that early because... You know, I, I can tell you as somebody who did not, you'll know, get any of this information when I was growing up, just wasn't even a consideration. My parents never talked to us about finances, never even brought that up. And I think I had one, one hour class in a home ec class in high school on how to write checks. <laughs> and that was the extent of my financial knowledge growing up. Yeah. Well, I, you know, got out of high school and went in the army. Suddenly I have this constant paycheck. I'm away from home, so I don't have anybody around me because we're all 18 and none of us have got any of this training and we all hit there and we have this constant paycheck going in and you just go, Wee! <laughs> and, and, and you go crazy and you do dumb stuff right. with it because you just don't know
0: any better. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that's interesting to me about this conversation is that now, because now we're sort of drifting into budgeting, budgeting and saving and that kind of stuff. And we haven't even gone there, right? We didn't even go there for almost an hour. We've been talking about the security side of identity theft and fraud and all that kind of stuff because financials have gotten so much more complicated in the past 20 years. So, th- and so that it's just another layer that we have to teach our kids. So even even beyond budgeting and how to save and how much you should save and what that looks like. So um that's I think that's important because it's just this is the world our kids are in now. It's different from the world that we were in. When you got out of the when you were in the army and got those paychecks, you didn't have to worry about someone stealing your identity. You just had to worry about not spending all your money.
1: And that that was certainly it. And because technology has become so prevalent nowadays. That a lot of this stuff that you learn about the financial you know, safety side of it applies just to your everyday technological right. life. It's not just all about you know, the money. It's not about anything you know, financial. It's about making sure that we're taking the right steps ahead of time and public stuff public. Just
0: being mindful of time. Do you have any ending essentials that you'd like to share with our audience?
1: The best thing that I can say for our audience is just think ahead of time about, you know, what it is that you're doing and, you know, the possible consequences of our choices. And I think that is fair in lots of different situations, whether it's financially, whether it's online or whether it's in anything else that we're doing. It's really thinking ahead of time and trying to understand all the pieces that are moving together and making sure that we are making the right choices to set ourselves up for success.
0: Hey, you're still here. Nice. Thanks for staying focused all the way through. If you have any thoughts or questions about today's episode, feel free to email me at brendan at ADHDessentials.com. And don't forget to check out the website, ADHDessentials.com and visit our Facebook community. I'm looking forward to talking to you again next week. In the meantime, keep focusing on improvement over perfection. 10% better is all you need.